previously on Living Proof. Power always yields to aggressive evangelism. It's Amen. the power in the, of, the, of, of Jesus Christ, energized by the fact that that blood was the payment and atonement for all of your sin. And not only was it the payment and atonement for your sin, but the blood was also the thing that was used to make covenants. You can't fake it. Everybody knows when you're just repeating somebody else. And everybody knows when there's a fresh anointing upon it. You can't fake it. You got to get on your knees. You got to get on your face before God. And, 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 and forfeit your traditions. And get rid of half of the stuff you saw your church do. So the blood of Jesus is, is the, one of the most powerful things. And when you begin to speak the word of God, your faith is energized by the spirit and is backed by the blood of Jesus. And these are the three things that impact the earth. worshiping with you today, but we know you gave it your best and you blessed the people today. I know so many of you have been blessed. I want to keep reminding everybody to go to one voice prayer.com. We're just going to keep hanging out here on Saturdays. People hop on and off. There are some people that stay all the way through. You know, we say it's very interesting and amazing to us that those in a lot of the Middle Eastern countries stay on three and a half, four and a half hours. And so we, but, but you know what? We got enough to keep you. We have enough to keep you glued from beginning to end. And so what a powerful way to, for Joey to just take us on out. Um, I think everything is in place now. God has used him mightily. He was one of those just like Washington, just like uh, Brittany. So many of you've heard that God allowed me to impact their life at an early age. And when God first started moving with this prayer, conference and Joy and I connected, I was like, would you come on and be a part of the team with us and help us carry this out? And so we're just so blessed to have him and he's got his wife and his family with him. Just go ahead on and flow. We've introduced you. We've already introduced you. We're just waiting on you. Amen. Well, I'm blessed to be here and I thank you for your time and, and I thank you for Dr. Bailey's patience. I'm, I'm, I'm going nuts here. I'm listening to David preach and the pastor of Namibia preach and <laughs> amen. And I'm just getting so excited to, and, and I just want to say, and I'm also very blessed uh, to hear all the testimonies. The sister in Chicago, who was uh, the devil had her tied up in uh, in that uh, lesbianism, and uh, Christine, what a beautiful smile! I have to say, I just enjoy watching you. And the brother in Brazil, what a beautiful voice! And it's just been a blessed broadcast today. And I thought, you know, with all this good teaching, all this good preaching, all this powerful praying, Lord, what do I say? What do I have to contribute? And I said, Auntie Pat. They don't need me. She says, you better get on here. I said, they don't need me. But I just thought I wanted to share a little something from my heart with you guys, especially to the younger people. Uh, and I want to start off by sharing a dream that I had. And it was in my about 18 years old, 17 years old, 18. I was just coming out of jail. Uh, my mother was shot. My, my, excuse me, my father, he was shot and killed when I was about four. And my mother, she died from HIV, AIDS. She got AIDS from shooting cocaine. And uh, I'm Latino, my father's from Guatemala, and my mother was kind of the black sheep of the family because she married uh, a minority. And so we were kind of rejected. We didn't get invited for Thanksgivings. We didn't get invited for, for Christmases because of racism in our family. And I was Latino. So I grew up in this kind of environment and then my mother died, my father died, and really none of my aunts and uncles would take me in. And I was on my own, but I found a, a spiritual father, Dr. Bill Winston. And I began to go to that church and he took me in and he took care of me. And then I met Dr. Patton 
I call her Auntie Patton, and she took care, minister, took care of us and, and preached to us and took us on the mission field and took us to Virginia Beach and just imparted so much into our lives. And we're so grateful for that. And it was during that time when I was about 18, 19 years old, coming out of jail, coming out of gangs, coming out of drug dealing and all those things that I had a dream. And this dream I want to share with you because, you know, God speaks through his word. He speaks through the prophetic and he also speaks through dreams. And this was one of those dreams that really impacted my entire life, impacted my entire future. And let me share with you what happened in this dream. I was in this dream. I was being chased by the devil. And I was in Chicago where I'm from. And the enemy was chasing me all over him. He caught me and he put me in this giant cage in the backyard of our apartment complex where we lived. And I was in this big cage. And this devil came up to me. And he was big. And he was hairy. And he was ugly. And he grabbed. He, 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 he was coming at me. And I was so terrified and afraid that I... I got to the back of the cage and I kind of squatted down and, and I was like afraid for my life. I knew he was going to kill me. And then I thought to myself in the dream, I thought, you know what? If he's going to kill me, let me just get one good punch in. Let me give him a black eye. Let me give him a, a bloody nose. Let me just take out a couple of teeth because if I'm going to go down, I'm going to make sure that at least I do a little bit of damage. So I got up from squatting down. And, I, and I, I lunged at this, this giant demon and I grabbed him right here by his collar and I, I, I picked him up and I slammed him against the wall of the cage. And when I slammed him against the wall of the cage, the entire cage broke. The first, the wall on the left, boom, went down. The wall behind me went down. The wall on the, on the side of me went down. And then the wall I threw him against, that one went down. So the whole cage just went flat like this. And he, screeched in terror from me and he began to run and he took off down the street in Chicago on over on 45th Avenue and, and Archer in the city down Pulaski and I began to chase him in the dream and I chased him and I chased him and all night long this is a true, true dream all night long I was chasing the devil I get on the bus I pay my little fare going somewhere in my dream and then I look in the back and I would see him in the back trying to oppress somebody and I said no nah, I you know, I get excited. I found you, devil. And so I went to the back and I tried to chase him off, off the bus, grab him on the bus. And he ran out the side door and I ran down the street and I ran off the taxis and trains and buses and airplanes. And I was going all over the city and all over the world trying to get that devil and put a whooping on him. And that changed my life, that dream. And from that dream, I became an offensive player. You know, when you don't have a a strong defense. And, and I understand during this coronavirus, the tendency is defense, defense, defense. Put on a mask, sanitize your hands, lock the door, stay inside, social distancing, you know, just, just oppress, oppress, oppress. But I found in that early years of my Christian life that the best defense was a good offense. Just like MJ, when he came, I've, I've been watching this series called The Last Dance on Netflix about Michael Jordan and that last championship they were going for. And they were showing how in the 80s, he didn't have much of a team and they didn't have much of a defense. And he was kind of by himself out there. And But Michael Jordan, the kind of spirit that he had, as he said, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to carry the team. So he came in 40 points, 50 points, 60 points, and he carried the team with, with basically an all offense. I mean, he came at it offense, 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 and he put the tear of 
Michael Jordan, the tear of the bulls on all the opponents. And since that point in time that I had that dream, I began to be an offense guy. I mean, if the devil tied me up and got me to fall into sin, I would just get up the next day and say, devil, I'm not going to be condemned, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to evangelize three people. And I win three souls to Christ. And ever since then, I've been offense, 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 because I learned that the best defense is a great offense. And in the kingdom of God, when the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you, that resist the devil doesn't mean you ball up at the back of the cage and you hide while the devil beats you. Resist the devil. Actually, in the Greek, and I learned this from my good friend, Pastor Christodoulos in Cyprus, and he said that in the Greek, that word resist is like when two boxers meet before a match and they, they go head to head. They go forehead to forehead and they go glove to glove. And you see, they take these famous shots where they're forehead to forehead, glove to glove. That word Greek in the word, that word resist in the Greek means forehead to forehead, fist to fist, you come at the devil. And if you'll play an offensive game, the devil will flee from you every single time. Offense is the best defense. And during this whole uh, COVID virus time, let me tell you, I've heard a lot of preachers, a lot of people say that this God is maybe teaching us a lesson. And maybe God wants us to hit the prayer closet and spend more time with him and more time with the family. And all those things, I believe, are good. And all those things, I believe, are are. Are, are things that we need to do and they're very important. And those are uh, the silver lining in the cloud. But is it possible that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Is it possible that this virus is from the devil? Is this possible that this is the Satan's last attempt to depopulate the earth, to, to stop world missions, to bar entry into foreign lands? Let me just tell you a little bit about my church in China. My church in China, we've been uh, just since Xi Jinping has come into office and I pray for him and, and I love him and I pray for him. But let me just tell you, since he's come into the office, he has declared war on the church, declared war on religion. And Xi Jinping has been attacking the church. I mean, one of the big churches by my house, they are Chinese underground church. They have been to at least six different buildings. And every time they go and they purchase, they put in 10 million RMB to, to decorate a building. They came in and tore it up. They got another building. They put in some more money. They came in. They were there two Sundays, came in and tore it up. They've been attacking the churches, tearing down the crosses, arresting Christians. Both of my sons went to two separate Christian schools, and the government shut down both of their schools. So we put them in our church office. Our church is underground, too, in Beijing. And the police raided our office in Beijing. And we've been at war with the enemy there, trying to shut down the church. And now, with the COVID virus, all the services are absolutely shut down. And then... You know, in America, we just kind of switched to online and we have kind of, you know, uh, allowed the Internet to be our savior during this time. But but in China, they're tracing the IP addresses and they're arresting the Christians in their home for watching preaching. Could it be that this COVID virus is Satan's last attempt to bar the gospel from going into foreign lands, to stop missionaries from going on flights and getting into these countries, to hinder the funds and financing missions in, in, in foreign lands? Is it possible that this is Satan's last attempt to try and stop the going forward of the gospel? Let me tell you, my friends, Jesus is about to return soon. And the young people, the millennials, 
You are the greatest weapon in the hand of God. And we need to rise up and we need to be a fearless generation that will say, I'm going to go. I'm going to play offense. I'm going to go and I'm going to minister to the sick. I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to be activated. I can sit in my house or I could go outside and give groceries, give bags of rice. I could go feed the homeless. I could sit in my house or I could go and I can minister to the frontline workers and I can somehow be involved. I love what the pastor said in Namibia and we're going to Namibia next year. We're having a crusade for the Chinese there in Chinatown. But he said that he is his job as a pastor. I watched him today. He said it's his job as a pastor to bring everyone back to January 1 and say, let's get back to what God spoke to you and let's do it even bigger. This is the time for offense. It's not the time for defense. This is the time for the sons of God to shine. And let me tell you, I was, and I've been hearing all day long, watching the broadcast, sons, people talking about the sons of God, the sons of God. And I want to share with you a quick verse on that. But let me tell you, I was having lunch yesterday with the pastor of one of the, one of the, the kind of big mega churches around the area here in, in Atlanta. And I was sitting there and he was saying, you know, what happened to all the pastors with healing ministries? All the pastors that claim they have healing gifts and having healing services and all these kind of things. How come they're not out ministering now? How come they're, they're not in the hospitals? And this is so funny. I said to him, I said, well, you know, you know, that's what I do. I go to the hospitals. I pray for the sick. I go to the infectious disease, negative pressure rooms, the ICU wars, the COVID virus rooms, and I have healing services right there. And he said, he said, I know that. And I said, well, you know, I said, then why you say nobody does it? I do it. He said, man, Joey, he said, you would do it even if you had no healing anointing. And I just started laughing. I said, you know, that's right. Even if I had no healing anointing, I would still do that because I'm an offensive player. I believe that God wants us to be on the offense and God wants this generation, the young people to be on the offense. It's time to get soul saved. My biggest and my greatest pet peeve, and it's all Dr. Bailey's fault. She messed me up when I was a young man. When she talked about the rocking chair church, how it has a lot of activity, but there's no forward progress. She totally destroyed me from that point forward. And now when I preach around the world, whether I'm in Switzerland preaching or, or, or in China or in Vietnam and Laos, I'm agitated and I'm aggravated and I step on the toes of the pastors and I kind of offend the religious people there because I say with all your women's conferences and with all your youth conferences and all of your revivals and concerts and all these things, there was no souls being saved. The purpose of the church is to bring souls into the kingdom. The purpose of the church is to get souls saved. What are we doing in all of our religious activities if we're not seeing People come to Jesus if our altars are not full, if we're not saving souls, if we're not evangelizing. And the minute this COVID virus broke out, I went to the hospitals and I led 135 doctors to Christ to the point, finally, the government kicked me out. Now I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. They kicked me out. But listen, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to play offense. And I said to myself, look, I know there's a virus. I know it's dangerous. I know people could die. But listen, if... The doctors could go in and risk their life. If the nurses could go in and risk their life, if the people who sweep the floors could go in the hospitals and risk their lives, if the cooks in the hospitals who make the meals for the patients, if they could go in and risk their lives, where is the church? I'm not going to just walk around the outside of the hospitals, which is what I began doing. I began just by walking outside. I said, but how do I get in? 
Who knows the connection? Who knows the COO? Who knows the CEO? Ask if I could come in and have a revival. And we got in and we were having revival. Now I'm kicked out and, and we're trying to reassimilate what we're going to do next. But I'm telling you, it's offense, offense, it's offense. It's bringing souls to Christ. It's winning people to Jesus. It's setting people free. It's time to arise and shine. And let me tell you, the earth is still waiting. And it's high time that the earth no longer waits, but the earth give a yay and amen. The church has arrived. That should be the declaration of the earth. It says here in, in, in first of all, I want to read John 4, 4. And John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Let me tell you, when you're on the offense, you have more of a supernatural protection than you do when you're on the defense. Look, I was in the infectious disease wars. I was in the COVID wars ministering the last several months and, and healing and ministering and praying and seeing miracles. And I was totally fine, healthy, stronger than I've ever been. Then when I, I took a flight a couple of weeks later, I took a flight traveling and so on and kind of on the defense run because the, the Philippine people, you know, the, some of the police trying to catch me and so on. And, you know, during that flight time, I got a cold. And I thought to myself, God, how did you protect me from COVID virus, which is one of the most infectious airborne diseases in the infectious ward, in the ICU? And then when I'm not on the offense, when I'm just doing my life and transitioning and actually even on the defense, I get a cold. How is that possible? And God said to me, when you're on the offense, my angels are before you. My protection is around you. There's no way the devil could take you out. And I said, what about now? Because they're saying they're going to kill me and they're breathing these threatenings against me, so forth, in the Philippines. They said they're going to try and help me down. And you know what God said? God said to me what this girl said in Chicago today. I love what she said. God said to me, he said, Joey, when you were 17 years old and you were gangbanging on the north side of Chicago and those Latin pachucos drove by three carloads with their guns and unloaded their clips at you, did I let you die? I said, no, sir. He said, when you're sitting on the corner three o'clock in the morning, shooting quarters, drinking 40 ounces, game banging, and those Spanish cobras came and lit, lit up that whole corner. You know, I, I'm not just fat after I'm a pastor. I've been fat since I was a kid. That's why my gang name was Big Ride. I was the biggest mark on the corner. And I sat in the corner shooting quarters three in the morning, and they lit us up. All my friends around me shot. Not a bullet touched me. Why? Because the hand of God was on me. He had a plan for my life. And God said, if I didn't allow you to get shot and killed, then do you think now that you're in my service, that you're in my kingdom, that you're shaking the nation, saving souls, reaching hundreds of millions of people in Asia? Do you think I'll let the devil touch you now? Look, last year in Switzerland, two Algerians robbed me with a knife alone by myself with a knife. And I fought them off. God protected me. This year, the military trying to kill me. God protect me, tip me off with the police officer. God's not going to let anything happen to me because I'm too important to the kingdom. We're seeking and saving that which is lost. We have not lost the, the understanding of what this is all about. And what this is all about is redeeming culture. And it says here in Romans chapter 8, I want to read it because somebody mentioned it today. Two or three people mentioned it today. In Romans chapter 8, it says this, 8.14. For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 17 says, if children, we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If it so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. 
And then we go down to verse 19. For the earnest expectation of creature, the creation, waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. And we heard about this. And we get down to verse 20. The creature itself was made subject by Adam to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of Adam, who subjected the same in hope, because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of the corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, I want to highlight to you that right here in this chapter, we read about children and sons and children and sons. Let me tell you there's a difference. When the Bible says as many as believed him, to, to them he gave them power to become the children of God. That word children is the word technon. It means the child of the offspring. And it says here in, here in Romans that in verse 17, 817, that if you're children, you have you're an heir. You're an heir of God. So as a child, you are an heir. But the earth is not waiting for children. The earth is waiting for sons. Why? Sons is an entirely different Greek word. The word sons is huis in the Greek. H-U-I-S. Sons means the mature offspring. And that matter of fact, if you study the Greek, and it has to do with the dignitaries of sonship. It has to do with the dignitaries and the privileges of sonship. So when you begin as a child of God who has the, has, the, has the inheritance, but you begin to move in the dignitaries, you begin to move in the privileges, you begin to walk in the divine authority, now you begin to become something that's a terror to the devil. And the earth is waiting for not just children, not those who have an inheritance but are doing nothing with it, but he's waiting for sons. People have risen and woken up to their dignitary, to their position, to their place in him. And they begin to use that position, begin to use that influence, begin to use that power to play the offensive game, to set the powers of the devil back off the nations and begin to bring the nations to Jesus from the top to the bottom. I have one call. I have one plan. And, and, and the, when God spoke to me when he started our church in China, God told me all nations. He said, that, so the name of our church is all nations. But this is what he said. God said, every university, every embassy every nation, meaning that we are going to reach every university. And I began to go to every university in the city. By the time we were done, we had a, a 13 of the 26 universities. We had ministries in 13 of them. I went to every embassy. I went to 80 embassies. And I went right in the embassies, asked to speak to the ambassadors, sharing and preaching the gospel, inviting the ambassadors to our church, inviting all the diplomats to our church. We started having a conference called Africa Shall Rise. And we began to to speak about Africa's destiny in the end times to be restored back to her former glory and to, to rule the nations of the earth. We began to preach on these things and have the ambassadors from all different, all different African nations come to our church. And we also started going after every race, Cambodians, Laos, Bhutanese, Mongolians. And we began to have crusades in Mongolia and move and have missions in Laos. And we began to move out under this vision to reach the university students. Why? Because they're the future leaders. And in China, most of the Africans are studying in China. They, are, they already work for their government in, in Africa. And they're sent on scholarships to learn Chinese to help the Chinese who are invested in Africa doing roads and hospitals and so on in, ex in exchange for natural resources and so forth. So they give them scholarships to learn Chinese so they can help go back and serve the government and, and be, uh, work diplomatically between China and the African nations. So we said, let's go for them, who are the future leaders. Let's go to the embassies, which are today's leaders. And since then, we've, we've been in Geneva. We've been ministering to diplomats and so forth because there is very short time left. And this coronavirus, I believe, quite possibly, is Satan's last attempt to bar and stop 
world missions, hindered the release of funds worldwide, and there is a transfer of wealth coming, and it's not going to be an individual person who just confesses it and names it and claims it, but it's a, it's a transfer of wealth to the body of Christ. If when this 80% of the church what is, it is not tithing, and they begin to waken up to become sons of God, and they begin to understand giving is about covenant, it's not about supporting the vision, but it's about covenant. And when the tithes come restored back into the church, we will shift the global power of wealth in the planet, and the church will have the funds and the finances to bring this thing home because Jesus is returning soon. Hallelujah. And that's all I want to share with you today. Amen. Wow. Wow. He saved the best for last. And speaking of that, you know, the, when it's a revival of God, a true revival of God, Joey, it cannot be stopped. And I was thinking about how we come on here and we put on the flyer for 10 to 12, but I've seen so many revivalists. And, you know, one of my people said, you shouldn't put that on there. You should put an ending time. And I said to myself, you can tell they don't understand revival. When you're doing a revival, God determines when you stop. So you can't even print a time anyway. We're just going to hang out right here. You know all about Brownsville. You Rotten Howard Brown. That's who you hang out with. That's your mentor. They have Amen. the type of things you set up for three days. And the next thing you know, is three months and it can go on for a year. So I just want to make a proclamation to everybody. We will be right here every Saturday until God right. gives us something different. And this is what you got to have this kind of That's character. Right. You got to be open. You got to say, Lord, I'm in it for the long haul. If you want me Amen. for one minute, if you want me for two, if you want me to just be here to pray in the spirit, I know I'm a They go all night. <laughs> yeah. I want everyone to yeah. understand. I want everybody to understand. We all mm -hmm. have a part in this because right. we never know. The Bible says every part fitly joints and supplies. Your intercession, those of you that are watching your Amen. prayer, and on that note, you can call right now through WhatsApp, number one, the country code, 336 782-1228. Those that are on the prayer lines, on the calls, when you go to onevoiceprayer.com, they're waiting as well to answer your questions or chat, no matter when this is being played out. Because I want to also explain to people, our numbers or our greatest audience is not when we're recording live. That's not how God works with us, yeah. with me. Our greater audience is when this is shared and sent out, it literally gets sent out through so many parts of the world is airing on Faith Broadcast Network, on Christian Network, several other networks. And that's where you begin to see. Stop scrolling right now because we have an exciting announcement to make to you. We have powerful teachings and preaching and encouraging words that will change your life. And it's all on our YouTube channel, Living Proof TV. So come down, go to our YouTube channel, watch all the great content episodes we have. You will not be disappointed. Revelation, teaching, preaching, authority in the word of God. You're going to be inspired. You're going to be encouraged. And you're going to be ready to give the devil a black eye. It's hard.